you can be whatever the fuck you want to be. This guy was a monk, then he wasn't a monk. Like, if this is not the epitome of the fact that, like, you can literally be anything. You're just choosing to be what you are right now. There's your inspiration story. (laughs) Seriously. Hey, ladies, and welcome back to Perspective, and welcome to this sunny day. It's freezing, but it's at least sunny. It's freezing. It's uh, like I had my window open, not even a crack. You know how when you push it down, it seals, but when it's it's not locked, it like opens a tiny bit. And I was like, what is this winter weather? And I realized the window was open. I'm like, oh, my God, infiltrating. It's hideous. Well, I've been propped up on the massage bed in my office because the sun is shining onto the bed like a cat. So I've been basically oh, like just nice. like rolling around, getting some sunshine. <laughs> as a, Like literally I'm thinking like this is exactly what a cat would do. Like just finding the one square of sun and like fitting my entire body into it and just like basking Yeah, you understand? There. Yeah. Yeah. That's – well. That sounds quite nice. I'm freezing, so I need it. I know, Any excuse too. to get some vitamin D, we all need that. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly – when I lie on my bed and get like a small strip of like, you know, the, the rectangle of the sun, uh, I just like try to move and lie within it. So I'll be like lying on my bed in really weird angles. Exactly. Just to get uh, full sun. Just some to feel some warmth in our lives at this point. <laughs> but it is. It's so glorious that the warmth that it provides. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the sun provides warmth. <laughs> Hot take. Just in case yeah. everybody that listens didn't know what the sun does, that's what it does. Now, Don't worry, now guys. You know. We're here for you. We have all the pertinent information that you may be missing in your life. Uh, but the, the worst part is we actually have a very pertinent episode today. Well, so we please. always do, in my I opinion. know, but today is like super informative, and I just have to point out, when I was going back and editing it, I hear your pen clicking. Yeah, it was no joke. Notes. I was vigorously taking notes during this entire episode because it was there was so much information and I needed to know it and this is an area that we've talked about in the past that I'm just like not good at and like I mean I can manage my finances of my household but when it comes to like savings and like knowing where to put money things like that I need help and they're like just to give our listeners a heads up we'll be talking about finances today on this episode yeah we're not talking about money at all though (laughs) (laughs) i just also need help with money yes (laughs) um but like all of these things like the sun all of that like everything is rolling into like the effects of covid that i'm finally like feeling more and more now um like the other day i was home alone and I opened this package and I guess in my brain I was like oh this might spill and I open it I opened it and it did spill and out loud I said well we both knew that was gonna happen like (laughs) you and your personalities (laughs) me and me (laughs) yes apparently (laughs) I have personalities at this point that I have out loud dialogue with when I do things home alone so I had to stop for a second and be like, I'm alone. Who am I talking I love, to? Who I love is how you have the to like, we? 
that I'm referring to. Have that to. conversation with yourself as well, though. Also out loud. <laughs> that conversation also took place audibly. So it's not so much as to have that conversation or thought, thought pattern, I should say, in your head, but to now make it into words <laughs> and say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're going crazy. I, I am. I know. you're not alone you're not alone at all so I've done something today that is making my like my stomach is like turning my heart is rapidly beating oh my god and I just I feel almost sick about it did you steal something I no I did not but thank you for immediately going there (laughs) Uh (laughs) well I know how you feel about that so (laughs) no I did not but I wish it that's what I was about to say um I am trying to propagate one of my plants and I cut off half of my plant in hopes that she'll root and propagate. But if it doesn't, then I just trimmed half of my beloved plant. Well, I can understand why you're freaking out because they are your children. They are. And she was, it's my string of hearts. She was like uh, seven feet long. (laughs) This one's a she. I have some boys too, but this one's a she. And I cut her like directly in half. So anyways, I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And the worst part was when I cut her like on her stems, she kind of like oozed. I'm like, oh, she's bleeding. I'm sorry. But I think she'll be okay. And I think she'll root. And I think she'll be happier when she's in soil. Anyways, I just can't talk about it much more. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm glad you got that off your chest. And I'm sure the plant will be fine. I don't know what propagate means, but I'm sure it's important <laughs> for the plants. So therefore, I just had this conversation with myself, basically. basically okay. <laughs> you know I have a black thumb, not a green thumb. This yeah, is where no, we differ. you do. That's why you have your faux plants. That's right. That's correct. Many of I remember them. the day that I found out that it was a faux plant. I, I touched it because I'm like, oh, <laughs> this isn't even in direct sun. Why is it doing so well? And then I'm like, oh. Because it's, it's, it's called plastic. <laughs> They don't. Yeah, it doesn't need fun. Should have known. <laughs> so funny. I'm just coming off a few days of being the wife of a man child with a cold. So, ladies out there, if any of your men have colds or anything like that, you you know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's. I love how you say cold when really you mean near death reality. Well, for because, them, yes, for him, yes, they obviously have barely survived and we should be giving them more credit for pulling through Uh, right (laughs) I you're right I am an insensitive asshole of a wife um because I don't have the compassion I really don't I mean he he's got his full sweatsuit on getting into bed at 8 30 p.m um basically like he forces me to listen to his stomach as if that is going to somehow help. Like I am some kind of special shaman doctor that can just hear the problem and be like, well, Identify the way the stomach have. sounds are. Yes, diagnose you. <laughs> I'm like, well, it sounds like you're digesting, so that's probably a good thing. But Oh my god, yeah. men are pathetic. This is my life. And I'm sorry, but that is the only way to describe it because the fact that there exists man cold and cold goes to show you if you had this exact same cold, which you probably do, but you just don't even acknowledge it because you're a fucking adult woman, you just have to carry on. Exactly. You still have to make dinners. You still have to care for the kids. You still have to go to work. You still have to stay up and do all this shit. But they 
somehow find it acceptable to literally revert to like infancy. infancy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and then but still look themselves in the mirror and not just feel like the most pathetic human in the world. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, I know. I really don't either. And I'm very vocal about my lack of compassion. He knows that and he calls me the ice queen because of it. Because I'm like, okay, take a <laughs> Tylenol or something, like have a glass of water. I don't know. Maybe if you ate a vegetable or two, you'd probably feel a lot better also. Like there's just so many things you could be doing to help yourself instead of like curling up in the fetal position for three straight days. I mean, days, yeah. love my husband, but yes, when men are sick, it's almost intolerable to the point where I'm like, can you just go to like a sick house or something and like stay there until you're better? Because... You're Are irritating you kidding? Me. They would love that. They would love. There is a business the, idea like, right there. Yeah, a confirmation. It has to be run by men because any woman there would be like, "Oh my god!" No, it has to be run by moms. Yeah, moms, but like only their moms, because well, no, I don't know, because you're a mom and you're like, get it together. You know, it has to be like 1940s moms. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm oh, barely sweetie. compassionate to my kids when they're sick. Because so. they're men, it's it. You have to train them young that man cold is not real. Just ain't nobody got time for that. I don't got time, honestly. And of course, the immediate thought is, well, I have coronavirus, and I'm like, you, you probably don't. But like, fair, I guess there's always that chance. But he doesn't. So he was he was taking no, his own temperature at least four or five times a day, <laughs> um, with the baby thermometer. <laughs> That's her 36 months plus. So I don't even know if it actually really works on an adult. I, anyway, it's fine. We're we're past that stage now. He's on the mend. Anybody that's listening was he's concerned. somehow recovered. Any men that may be very worried about his well being, he's fine. He's gonna be getting phone calls. Uh, he might. He's gonna be getting phone calls from his brothers. Be like, bro, I got you. <laughs> I'll watch out for the wife and kids if you don't make it. Well, there was that conversation. He was concerned he wasn't gonna make it at one point. Um. But yeah. Why does that always come into play as well? <laughs> like, like it's thought, automatically. I'm die. <laughs> but every time though. And it's and, and we're talking guys, we're talking about the man cold. We're not talking about actual COVID illnesses. <laughs> COVID, any other illness. We're not even talking about like strep throat. Like we're talking about the man cold. <laughs> and every time we we somehow make it to the point of the world where it's death or nothing. Yeah. Like, I mean this is it (laughs) thank god for this podcast because this is where we come to like air our grievances and rant and make fun of things in our lives and that's a big one for me for sure because it's just like oh yeah oh my god it's a big one for anybody that lives with a man especially you poor mothers because you also will probably get sick and if it even affects any part of your life which it probably will not because you'll just carry on you have to like also now make space to care for them, and it's like, oh my god. Oh god. Yeah, it's true, and 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 like I said, any mom, woman, wife, girlfriend, they all know. So yeah. Oh god. I know yeah. you all stand in solidarity with me on this one. <laughs> yeah, we should do like a, I don't know, like a man cold day, and like post everyone's pictures of their husbands or boyfriends or whatever curled up dying yes oh my god i love those memes though man when he's sick images yeah 
Please do, because and then also submit you when you're sick with the same inevitable illness. With your full <laughs> face of makeup and hair dye yeah. and everything, and running the doing house like everything. A boss. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's women for you. It totally is. So we have a super fun episode today, though. But as we've already mentioned, very, very um, informative. But before we get into it, we want to shout out our sponsors. So just take it away. Yeah. So thank you to our sponsor, Vitality MD. Don't forget to use promo code HERSPECTIVE100 at VitalityMD.com to book the O-Shot or the Vivive treatments. So again, that's promo code HERSPECTIVE100. And thank you to our other sponsor, House of Hyla, for supporting HERSPECTIVE. House of Hyla is a Canadian shoe brand bringing you the most beautiful, affordable, vegan leather monochromatic pumps. So check out their full product line at houseofhyla.com. And don't forget to use HERSPECTIVE20 at checkout for 20% off your first order of any Generation 2 purchase. So today we are chatting with very much a cool boss babe. We are talking to Nicole Victoria, who is the founder and CEO of No Budget Babe. You may or may not have heard of No Budget Babe or of Nicole Victoria, but she is a money coach and a financial literacy advocate who specializes in helping women effortlessly manage their money and build bank accounts that never stop growing. She primarily helps women in their 20s and 30s um, just because a lot of us are definitely getting started there or might actually have some money to start investing or want to know what to do with Um, but she has provided us with some amazing information and tips about investments how to get started her business offers a number of different programs so some are paid programs and there's the 30-day to 100k challenge which we chat about and both Jess and I have enrolled in so we'll update you on how that's going once we get started and finished it um but yeah Nicole has a really interesting story and we're excited for you guys to hear it because we discovered Nicole Victoria through the Girls Gotta Eat podcast and she's a Canadian born so we were like well we obviously have to have her on our show Yes, but she's ours. Yeah, she's ours. We <laughs> she's on our turf. <laughs> we definitely take ownership of any Canadians, um, for sure. Especially our local Torontonians. Definitely, like, the states have so many, so we love to celebrate our locals, our good Canadian ladies, for sure. Um, so yeah, if you guys are not following her and you're only following like celebrities, makeup artists, fashion, girl get on it and follow no budget babe because you need that information in your life even if you think you've got your finances on lock you are going to learn something and it's going to be eye-opening yeah and it doesn't hurt to you know further explore or even if you have a financial advisor who you think is taking care of it it doesn't hurt to just be a little bit more in the know this is your finances and gone are the days where men control that solely or where we should be in the dark by any means about our finances yeah exactly women as women we need to be aware of our finances but and i mean this is speaking if you are in a relationship and maybe there's like a shared account or uh, someone handles the finances over the other but but as adults we need to be in control of our finances. Exactly. Men and women, but, For sure. you know, obviously we speak to our ladies. Yeah, and that's where Nicole comes in and she specializes, like I said, in helping women with their financial situation. Um, so this is 
like specific to women and you know understanding their own finances and even if they are in a relationship understanding the finances within that relationship too and she is a big advocate of like you always should have your own account no matter if you have joint accounts whatever that makes sense yes but you should always always have your own account so I mean she's gonna get into all of this she's gonna explain it way better than we are so I think it's time to welcome Nicole Victoria to the show welcome Nicole we are so so excited to chat with you today I love that amazing I'm so excited to be here thanks Lauren and Jess for having me yeah, thank you so much for being here from from me as well. Um, so <laughs> we first heard you on one of our um, inspiring podcasts, so the Girls Gotta Eat podcast, which is those ladies were the, kind of like our inspiration to start our own pod because we just love everything that they're doing. So when we saw you on that pod or heard you on that pod um, and then found out you're from Toronto, we we're like, oh my gosh, we have to have you on Um not to mention all of the amazing things that you do as well. I love it. No, Raina and Ashley were amazing. And it was so incredible to be featured on that podcast. And I am so happy to be here with you guys today as well. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many questions we have. But to start, how did you even get into No Budget Babe? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, so I'll give you a little bit of background information about myself, who I am, and then how that kind of led into me starting No Budget Babe. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard my story before, but I'll go into it in a little bit of detail. For our listeners, they may not have heard. <laughs> um, essentially, you know, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I went to university, I got the degree, I got the corporate job, and I was like, cool, okay, I'm here now, I've made it, I'm supposed to be like wealthy, happy, healthy, all of this shit, and it got to a point where I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, everything that I wanted has like come to fruition, um, except I wasn't happy. And I was like, okay, well, why am I not happy? And I, I felt really, really stuck. Um, I felt like, you know, there were things that I wanted in life that I thought were going to be a natural progression point for me after going and doing the thing, right? Going to school, getting the corporate job, um, thought I was going to be able to buy a house, thought I was going to be able to just, you know, get married and have kids and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm in like crippling student loan debt. I have no idea how anybody is doing this and, you know, spent a lot of time feeling sorry for myself um, and feeling really stressed and frustrated about kind of the situation that I was in. And I'm like, okay, there, there has to be a different way. Like, what am I doing wrong? And all of my life, it's always been a thing for me to be like, okay, how can I come out of this situation better than how I went in? What do I have to do today to prepare myself for success in the future? Um, So I went back to the drawing board and I'm like, okay, maybe I just like need a promotion. Maybe I need more money. And that's what the problem is here. And then I started looking around at the people that had the promotion, the people that had the job that I eventually wanted to have. And I was like, well, (laughs) they're not happy either. Nobody. Not much better. (laughs) Nobody's happy. Money doesn't always make you happy. (laughs) I think we've all figured that out. Exactly. So I'm like, hey, there's got to be a different way. Went back to the drawing board, learned everything I could about personal finance, understood why I kept feeling stuck with budgeting, uh, created my own kind of way of doing things. And from there, I was able to turn everything around. I paid off my student loan debt in 18 months. So I had $40,000 of student loan debt, was able to pay that off quite quickly. Wow. Uh, once I actually put That's my mind insane. to it and developed this strategy. Um, and from there, was able to build a half a million dollar net worth in my 20s through real estate and stock market investing. Um, 
which was amazing. And for a while, I, I didn't really do anything with that in terms of like teaching people. I had, you know, friends and family members and stuff that would ask me, well, how did you do it? Um, and I noticed that it became a common theme where people really seemed to be in that same situation that I was, where they were feeling stuck, they were feeling overwhelmed, they were feeling like they were never going to be able to get ahead in life, and they were feeling like they weren't going to be able to win with money. Um, and I wanted to be able to help people. I really wanted to be able to go out there and show people that it doesn't need to be this big, scary, daunting task. And money actually gets to be really, really easy once we know what we're doing. So that's kind of how No Budget Babe was born. Wow. wow. I mean, I think everybody or anybody that's listening and I everything you said, I'm like, check, check, check all of those things too. Like <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems like sure. it's a formula. Like we just really, truly do go through those like motions. Very few people don't do the like cookie cutter approach to life right Mm -hmm. like I also Mm -hmm. felt that and I in a way I guess I kind of still do because I work in a corporate position and I thought for so long like I have to have that like high power or high profile corporate job Mm -hmm. that's the only way that I'm going to be successful and then that will lead to the house and all of the things and yes I can't say that it didn't because like that w- I worked and I made money and I my husband and I luckily were able to like buy a home but I mean for a long time no like it was just it seemed completely out of reach and this has come up a lot lately actually in our friend group yeah. um just about like finances and budget and like where to start and most of us are in our 30s now so we don't have like we you know, the 20s are gone. We blew that. Yeah. Right? And literally like big blew time. that and all the money involved in that we made in our 20s gone. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There is no rollover. So one of the big like questions that we wanted to ask you is like, now that we are outside of our 20s and <clears throat> some of us pushing 40, um, like where do you start? Because lots of us have kids and we have most of us like have the home, we have the vehicles, but like that idea of saving for future for retirement is terrifying. And like, I think a lot of us just ignore it. We're like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll deal with that later. But then we're, like, we oh my still God. feel young. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, okay. You know, even before Lauren, so I am just in my thirties, I'm in my early thirties and I haven't bought a house yet. Like, even before you have the home, forget retirement, that's not even a thought for sure, because I need to buy a house. Like, what do you say to people that are like, how the hell do I make a house happen? Okay, yeah. so I think we've asked you two questions. Yeah, two questions. Like, questions. That's okay. I have a really good response. Awesome. <laughs> okay. okay, so first and foremost, Jess, we always need to be thinking about retirement. Always, always, always. And I know a lot of us can get stuck, especially if you are in Southern Ontario right now or somewhere where they have like a crazy freaking housing market because I'm also a registered real estate broker. Trust me, I understand when you say, yeah, the real estate market's hot. Like it is really, really becoming out of reach for a lot of people. And that can be really disheartening and feel really crappy. Um, real estate is really emotional, even when you think it's not going to be. Like I know when I sold my first condo townhouse, um, 
I was like my own worst client. Like I was the worst, like I didn't even want to talk to myself. I'm like, you suck. Like you are the most emotional. Like this is not fun, right? And it's like, I got so emotional over like this plant wall. I created this little plant wall and the buyer wanted it. And I was like, no, it's mine. That's mine. I'm bringing it with me. And Jess, that would be you too. Yeah. It's in my basement um, bathroom crazy. right now. Yes, of oh, course it is. Okay. I would oh never. God. I would be ripping my plants out the ground. it though. It's just, oh my, it was, it was so silly. But so I understand from like a real estate perspective, how it's like, that can feel so overwhelming. So I definitely think that there are strategies that we can use, um, in order to get into the housing market. Um, but also going back to Lauren's question is saying, yes, we always need to be saving for retirement. So first and foremost, what I'm going to say to you is a lot of people have the misconception that you get to retire when you're 65. You get to retire when you reach a certain number in the bank, not when you reach a certain age. And this is a huge problem, I think, that we have in society that people have not been educated about this and people don't understand this. Money you save and invest in your 20s is worth twice as much as money you save and invest in your 30s due to compound interest. The earlier you get started, the more your money can work for you and make you more money. When we look at, you know, even just the act of making money, well, we're always trading hours for dollars, like hours of our life for money. There's always going to be a limit to how much we can make. So if we're lucky in life, we get, you know, 700,000 hours in a lifetime. Great. There's always going to be a limit to how much money we can make when we're always trading hours for dollars, because there's also a limit to how much you can get paid in your current uh, position or your field or whatever that is. So we need to look at ways to get our money working for us. And a lot of people see money as, you know, good or evil or whatever it is. Money is neutral. Money is a tool. Money is neutral. Money does nothing unless you tell it what to do, right? So we want to tell our money to be workers. Your money can work for you. So help your money get you to the life that you want. And we need to do this by having some forethought and really, really planning for our futures. And I know it can feel scary and it can feel overwhelming, but I think the scarier thing is waking up at 65 and being like, holy shit, I don't get to retire. Like that, you don't wanna, that's not cool. Like you could retire in 15 years if you saved 50% of your income, right? And not that that's feasible for everyone, but just to understand the fact that, oh, what? I don't actually have to wait until I'm 65 to stop working? No, when you hit that number in the bank, however old you are, that's when you can stop. And maybe you don't stop. Maybe you choose to do something that's more, um, I don't know, you know, less of the corporate thing. And you're like, I really always wanted to be a dog groomer. And now you can go and groom dogs and just feel really happy about it and not feel pressured to keep this maybe high pressure corporate job that maybe you don't love, but you're doing for the financial benefit. Wow. Yeah, I think um, people don't really, people work, like you said, work for the, they trade their hours for their dollars. And mm-hmm. so many of us are not pursuing anything that we're passionate about. I know for me, um, things that I would be passionate about are like literally volunteering with dogs, which yeah. literally implies no money in that, yeah. you know? So I think that if people knew that they have had the option to mm-hmm. pursue those kind of, you know, passions, and not have to work for everything, that would be super, <laughs> I think people would like that a lot. I know I, I would. Of course. And I think that's a huge thing. And I think it even goes back to what we were just talking about, about buying a house. Um, a lot of us believe that buying a house is the only thing that you can do. And a lot of people are so stressed right now because they're like, I can't buy the four bedroom detached house in the neighborhood I love. And it's like, you know what? Does it suck a little bit? Sure. 
Um, but at the end of the day, these are the cards that were dealt. This is where we live. This is what the prices are doing. So we have two options, right? We can continue to stay in victim mode and be like, shit, this is all happening. I have no control over my life. Or we can choose to take control and craft a strategy that's going to help us get to our ultimate goal. So you have to ask yourself, why do you want to buy a house? What is the ultimate goal? Is it because you want pride of ownership? Is it because you want it as a, I don't know, financial investment, right? We need to understand what the ultimate goal is because maybe there's another way to achieve that goal. Um, if you're just, and if you ask yourself this and you're like, well, actually, I don't even know why I want to buy a house. I just feel like I'm supposed to maybe think about that a little bit too and say, okay, well, just because society tells me that buying a house is the next step in my life, does that necessarily mean that I have to do that? Or am I able to go about things a little bit differently? Um, one thing I did a TikTok video on this and it kind of blew up where I talked about, you know, you can rent where you want to own if you can't afford to buy there and then buy where you can. If you, if your goal is mm. to invest in the real estate market and to own a house, but you don't want to move somewhere where you can afford a house, you can buy a house in the area that you can afford, right? So that you can get into the real estate market. You can start benefiting from that appreciation and you can still rent where you want to live. Maybe you end up going there eventually, or maybe you're able to then take that equity in the home at some point and build your own life with that. There are other options too, where I see a lot of people believing that they have to get that detached four bedroom, big backyard, two car garage. And it's like, you know what? It's not feasible. I started out with a really, really small Condor townhouse um, in a building that needed a lot of love, okay? It was nowhere close to my <laughs> dream house. It had like a little triangle balcony. Like it, it was nowhere close to my dream house. It was nowhere close, close to perfect. However, I bought strategically I flipped that property in two years for $150,000 profit. And then I use that to buy the house that I wanted, right? You have to, wow. you have to have a strategy in mind and you have to understand that we can't always have everything right now, but we can have everything we want eventually if we work for it today. I think that's the biggest problem is we don't have a lot of humility, right? Like we're always trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're always thinking and conditioned to believe like get married, buy the house, have the babies in that order. Don't stray from that because Not then your life still. will be ruined. You can't you can't do it. And and then we don't have enough people like you at the right like educating us at the right time and Jess and I always talk about like things we should have learned in school and I'm not saying that at 16 would I have listened or even understood not necessarily but maybe it would have like implanted a little bit but that's Mm -hmm. the thing like we need to stop thinking like I need this huge house or this specific style of home in this specific neighborhood versus I just want it because I wanted it I didn't need it I just wanted it Right? I think we're and- also so driven by immediate gratification as well. So mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to, and a lot of people do this. That's why they go house broke or things like that, where they just want that house. They want that one now instead of thinking about the like logical and strategic approach of, okay, I can't really afford this house right now, but what I can't afford is something um, not as nice, not as good maybe, but then eventually I will be able to get there and you know, that doesn't happen when you're just seeking for like that immediate gratification of what you want right then and there. No, it's and like I we think, can't see long term. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's part of the problem, too. And it's like, you know, even from when we are young, um, there is this concept called the um, fulfillment curve introduced by Vicki Robbins in her book, Your Money or Your Life. And it's like one of my favorite books. And a lot of my philosophies are based off of this. 
um, where she talks about the fact that, you know, from when you're young and when you're a baby, um, you are taught that you achieve happiness and fulfillment from outside of you, right? You cry, someone brings you a blanket, someone brings you a bottle, someone gives you some love or whatever it is, okay? You get a little bit older um, and then you are taught that fulfillment and happiness comes from toys, right? You go out, you get stuff, like all of this stuff is coming from outside of you. And then if you had responsible parents, they would tell you, well, this stuff that you like that makes you happy, well, that costs money. So we create these rules in our head and these rules are formed by the time that we're seven years old. We create these rules that says, okay, happiness equals things and to get things, I need money. So money becomes the goal so that you can get all of the shit. And as we go through our life, we're like, okay, you know, we go on our first trip and it's like so amazing and we get our first car and it's so amazing. You get your first apartment and it feels so good, except then you go get your second apartment or you get your upgraded car, or you get your new jacket, whatever it is. And we're seeking that dopamine hit every time, not realizing we get to a certain level where it kind of just plateaus, where we're not actually deriving any more happiness out of the shit that we're buying. But we, like a drug addict, are going back and going again and again and again. Maybe if I just spend a little bit more, I can get a little bit more of that happiness. Um, but the key to life really is understanding where it plateaus, where you can derive the most happiness with the least financial commitment. Because if we are always trading hours of our lives for money to buy things, we need to ask ourselves, how much happiness and fulfillment are we actually getting out of this? So like, for example, um, I drive a Kia, right? I originally, I wanted a Lexus. Okay. I went into the Lexus dealership. I'm like, Ooh, I want one of these like white ones with the brown leather interior. Like it's so nice. <laughs> and it feels so cool driving around in my car. Um, so true though. <laughs> it was very expensive. And I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go to the Kia dealership because I drove a Kia before and actually I really liked it. So let's just see. I saw basically the exact same SUV, okay? Moonroof, heated seats, cooled seats, whatever, all the fucking bells and whistles, okay? For like a quarter or half of the price or whatever it was. And I had to sit down and ask myself, how much more happiness am I actually going to get? How much more utility am I actually going to get out of driving that Lexus than the Kia? For the first two weeks, the Lexus is going to 100% win. I'm going to be like, I'm so fucking cool in my Lexus. I made it. Look at my car. And then after that, it just becomes a thing that I have to put gas in, that I have to take to the car wash, that I have to get an oil change for that gets me to and from work. It's not the same anymore. And then I'm going to keep paying that astronomical price for however long on a depreciating asset where I'm never going to get that money back. Cars are just a money pit. Especially when cars specifically always still have the same bells and whistles because you think of the Lexus, Mm -hmm. it's like so much better, but it's simply just the logo because the Kia still has those heated seats and all those Mm -hmm. luxurious things that you want. Mm -hmm. That's so crazy when you think about it like that. Exactly. And I was like, well, who am I buying this car for? Who are you buying the car for at that point? Are you actually buying it for you or are you buying it for everyone else so that they can see how successful you are? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's like what you've been saying is a lot about mindset and Mm -hmm. that's where the challenge is. How, How do you even get into that mindset? And I feel like I'm starting to finally at 36, like 
get there where I'm like, oh, I, I guess I really need some investments. I have two children. I have two boys. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I kind of need to do something for their future too. Like it's just now it's all kind of compounding. And I'm like, what do I do? And I think also on layering on that is there's also this like idea that women don't really know about finances and don't handle mm-hmm. finances. And I don't know enough. Like I, I take care of the budgets in our home. Well, I sorry, I shouldn't use the word budget, but I take care of the yes, finances. Yes, I want to mention that too, why we yeah. shouldn't use the word budget. <laughs> in our home. Um, but that's kind of like the extent of it because I just have no idea. Like the, the idea of investing and all of that scares me. And I just, I don't even know where to start. I don't know how to start. I don't know what I'm even, I don't know what I'm doing, bottom line. Um, so, so, Laura, like, you're not alone. I used to work for no, a financial advisor. And even in this day and age, which I, I was so shocked about all, like, so huge majority of people were like, my husband does the finances. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? Why? How could you allow that? Um, and why don't you want to at least be in the know about it? Like, maybe if he does, you know, the actual goings ons, at least why are you not aware? And so we found, we, my, my boss and I, my financial advisor boss and I would literally go and help divorcee women because that market, these women are just like left high and dry yeah. and from their husbands. They're divorced now and they have no, no clue what to do about their finances and their husbands have left them in debt or whatever the hell the divorce has left them in debt. Yeah. And there's just so many women out there for so shockingly in this day and age that just are so unaware of what to do with it. Yeah, no, I 100% believe that you are not alone in that. And I think that's why our business has been so successful and our programs have been so successful because there are so many people that are like, I don't know what I don't know and I just need to know, right? (laughs) And there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of blame. And the first thing that I want to say is like, there's no shame, there's no blame here. Okay, we don't need any shame or blame because that is not an effective way to go after your goals. It's only going to make you feel like shit about yourself. Personal finance is 80% mindset and behavior and 20% tactic. Everybody is out there searching for the tactic, the best way to pay off debt, the easiest way to get rich quick, like whatever it is. And the thing is, none of that tactic, like yes, the tactic is important, knowing which accounts to use, how to invest, that kind of stuff. But if you don't have the mindset and behavior piece down, the rest of it, it's never going to work. And that's why what we teach, my goal is for it to be sustainable. This is not a quick fix. You're not going to get rich quick. But what you are going to do is build a solid foundation so that you can get wealthy throughout your life and that you can truly, truly build the life that you want hitting all of those goals. Um, So the first thing is understanding no shame, no blame. We are waking up every day and we're just choosing to go out there and seek the information that we need to go after our goals. We're getting real with what we want to do in life and who we actually wanna be. Um, And I think it's also really important to go back and, and figure out what your dream life looks like. Like I had a call with one of our private clients yesterday and she's like, um, she's on the module in our coaching program where we go through goals. And she's like, Nicole, I don't know. I don't even know what I want. I I don't want kids. I don't want to buy a house. Like I'm happy where I'm living right now. I don't want like this and this. And it's like, she's like, I don't know what I want. And I'm like, but why do you think that you have to want those things? You don't have to want those things. Society tells you that you have to want those things, but you actually don't have to, right? You can do whatever you want. And it's so crazy that we don't realize this, but like there are There are so many different versions of ourselves 
living within ourselves. And I actually talked about this on one of my stories yesterday. So I had another, yesterday was busy with client calls, but I had another client call yesterday where we were talking about, you know, the fact that there are so many different versions of you. And she told me this story um, about her friend and he came out of school. He was making really good money working at this tech company, making like $150,000 a year in his early 20s, like really, really great money. He had the house and the car and the beautiful wife and all of these things. Um, and then the wife ended up leaving him and taking everything. So he went into this like really dark hole, really dark spiral. He was doing a lot of drugs. He lost all his money. He went to Thailand. He became a monk. He literally what? went there and he became a monk. He got tatted like head to toe with that little wood thing. Jesus. Like literally a monk was there in the Holy monastery crap. for years. And then want to know what? He decided he didn't want to be a monk anymore. And he came back and now he owns a ranch in British Columbia and has like two daughters and a wife. You can be whatever the fuck you want to be. This guy was a monk, then he wasn't a monk. Like, if this is not the epitome of the fact that like you can literally be anything you're just choosing to be what you are right now <laughs> there's your inspiration right? story <laughs> that seriously oh my, oh my gosh that's so I funny thought it was i so had good. no idea where you're going with that but it's so true it's society we know this society puts on so many pressures and a lot of the time most of the people are just like where is this even coming from and it's not coming from anything and yeah. even you know you think oh it's my parents it's they want grandkids or whatever you know and they don't and they don't care they just want you to be happy and so I know that that involves a lot of like extra soul searching and yeah. figuring figuring out exactly how to make yourself happy and sometimes obviously that's the hard part but I think with that that, I guess, is what you're saying is like the first step in the mindset. Well, deciding who you want to be, not even figuring out who you are. Like I went through an existential crisis when I was, you know, in my early 20s, like, who am I? Why am I here? What am I? What am I doing? Yeah. Right. And I read all these philosophy books and it just got down to the point where I was like, hey, why am I here? Literally, the only purpose is to be happy. Right. And then I went through this and a lot of my clients go through this too. They're like, Nicole, I don't even know what my favorite color is. I don't even know myself. And it's like, why does that matter? Who fucking cares? Right. We've been conditioned to believe like we need to have a favorite color and a favorite plant. And I don't know. Who cares? Pick one. Which one are you feeling today? If you're feeling pink today, yeah. pick pink. If you're feeling blue tomorrow, pick blue. It doesn't need to be finite. Right. And it's that's so the true. biggest thing. It's, I've never even thought about that the simplicity of like pick a favorite color pick a favorite movie today pick a favorite food yeah pick like yeah and it's always this one thing and and then you go through life like thinking there has to, there's just like these one things in each like stage that you're supposed mm -hmm. to want and it takes like somebody just saying you don't have to have one favorite it does and not matter like, thank you for releasing me from that yeah. like prison of this belief system that I've been in my whole life and yeah. then and and that like even goes to the budget thing you're told that you like need a budget have mm -hmm. a budget abide by that budget update that budget but then clearly budgets are not working for anyone. nobody yeah. even uses them it just makes you feel like shit about yourself and it further reinforces a scarcity mindset 
and it doesn't work, especially here in like Southern Ontario. It really, really does not work when people are like, well, your housing needs to be 30% of your income. Well, what if you don't drive a car and you don't go out to eat and you really, really want to live downtown and housing is 50% of your income? Are you telling me that that's not allowed? It's still the same amount of money. So is that not okay? Yeah, it so fucking just is. Always <laughs> in these constraints. Yeah. Like that's what it's yeah. like. You're in, like you're put in a box and if it doesn't like match up to whatever like that analogy that you just said then people just like are afraid to do it and we just don't do it like I don't it seems so crazy to think that we really truly are like just following sheepishly this like design and and then when one person comes along and says like yeah you don't like have to do that is when people finally like break out of it like it just oh yeah it's too (laughs) simple but like at the same time like too complex for my brain (laughs) Because it still needs to be said. It is simple. Like, no, you don't have to. But it's also like, well, no, I've spent my whole life knowing that I had to. So it's really confusing, I think. But when you just like literally chill and realize, oh, okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I loved how you how you say that budgeting reinforces that scarcity mindset. And Mm -hmm. what do people do then when they think that that's the, the option? That's what they're supposed to be doing. Like, how do you save for that house if you're not? budgeting do you just pick a number to put away or what yeah do you so i mean that? you can reverse engineer your goals you can track your expenses without limiting how much you spend in each category so there are three basically simple rules that i follow which are pay your future self first okay that you in five years 10 years 15 years what do they want what are their goals what does your dream life look like Build out your dream life, like write it down in like excruciating detail, okay? What time do you wake up? Who do you see? Do you go get a coffee in the morning? Do you go for a walk? Who do you live with? What does your house look like? Write it all down, hour by hour, minute by minute, your dream friggin' life, okay? And I know a lot of you listening are probably like, my dream life is sitting on a beach sipping pina coladas and that sounds amazing. But would you really want to do that every single day for the rest of your life? Because it eventually would get boring. So let's create a realistic dream life. Okay. And then ask yourself, well, how do I, how do I get that? Right? What are your goals? When you want to get to the root of what your goal is, you're going to ask yourself why five times. Well, I want to buy a house. Why? Because I want somewhere for my family to live. Why? Because whatever, right? You keep going back and back. Usually what you come to is you want freedom, you want comfort, you want fulfillment, right? One of these basic needs. Well, is there a way to achieve that other than that big thing? And a lot of people are also like, hey, I want to be rich. Want a million dollars in the bank. No, you don't. You don't actually want a million pieces of paper in the bank. That's not what you want. You want the lifestyle or the freedom or the happiness that comes along with it. So what if there was another way to get there? So number one is really understanding uh, what we want in life and then paying that future self first. So reverse engineering our goals. Okay, if you decide that you do want the house, all right, how much is the average price of a house? Um, how long do you, you know, when do you want to buy it? Reverse engineer that, break it down month by month. Okay, this is how much I need to save. And then you put that away and you put that out first before you do anything else. Okay. The next rule is living on less than you make. Doesn't matter if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year and you spend a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. It doesn't matter. You're not getting ahead, right? The person that's making 30,000 and saving five grand a year is better off than the person making a hundred grand, a hundred grand spending 120 every year. All right. So 
pay your future self first, live on less than you make, and invest early and often. Like I was saying before, the earlier you get started, the easier it is, the better it is, because the less money you have to put in. And now if you're listening to this and you're like, holy shit, I'm in my 30s, I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s, is it too late for me? No! No, it's not too late. It's too late. Just curl up. (laughs) A lot of people believe and we're stuck in this all or nothing mindset. We're stuck in like black and white. Either we're good or we're bad. Either we're going after our goals or we're not. That is going to prevent you from being successful in life. Um, You know, I have a client that comes to me and she's like, hey, I'd really love to do Pilates, but I just don't have the time. I want to do Pilates five days a week. Amazing. Okay, but you don't have the time. No. So why not do one day? Well, that's not five days. No, but it's not zero, right? No, it's not zero though. Why do we have this all or nothing? Just do something. Just do something that moves the needle. Like, why do we have this all or nothing? It's so frustrating. And I definitely am someone who feels like very, very overwhelmed by the thought of the fact that I'm in my mid-30s. And I don't, I mean, I have some investments, but very little. And, And I work with someone who is not a bank um, to like help with that but I still feel like this is not enough and here in your this is like you saying that is exactly why I feel because I've heard people be like well if you don't have at least like 10,000 or 15,000 to invest then like it's not going to do anything for you it's not going to grow so I have this money of like a, a fairly I guess I guess it's a significant amount it's more than a thousand dollars let's say and I'm holding on to it. It's doing nothing for me and my husband. Also, I should add him in there. <laughs> it's not doing nothing for us. But we're so afraid to let go of any of it because we feel like it's not enough. We need to make that number bigger before we can start investing. And I don't know why. And so we haven't do you know done who, anything. Do you know who perpetuates that myth? The financial no. advisors that don't want to manage a small portfolio. Right? They, I cannot tell you how many, it makes me so fucking angry. I cannot tell you how many people that I have spoken to and they're like, well, I was going to start investing a few years ago. I went and I saw a financial advisor and they told me that I needed $20,000 to start. No, you don't. You can mm-hmm. start with $5 if you wanted to. Yeah. You build up to $20,000. Investing isn't for the rich. It's how you get rich. And that shit makes me so angry because it is preventing people this, uh, this, wrong information, this misinformation is just being spread out there and stopping people from actually doing what they could be doing to achieve that life that they want. And this is why, I mean, again, I don't want to like poo-poo on financial advisors. Some of them are amazing, I'm sure. However, at the end of the day, they all work for an institution that puts profits first. So even if your financial Mm -hmm. advisor is like the best person ever, they're still recommending you products that are going to be most beneficial for the lending institution. They're not telling you that, hey, you could create the same portfolio yourself um, for a fraction of the cost, and I'm not really doing anything for you aside from providing you um, more like psychological support in a way. Because the thing is, most investors will do the opposite of what you're supposed to do when you invest, right? So when you invest, you're supposed to buy low, and then you sell when it's higher later down the road. Uh, most investors buy high and sell low because they get FOMO, they get overconfident, they buy something that's really, really high, and then it goes down a little bit, they don't understand the markets, and they're like, oh my God, I'm losing money, and they sell, and they lose money, right? So the financial advisor is there to be like, that's a really bad idea. 
But what in reality, you could go back in Canada, you download Wealthsimple. They have a robo-advisor. It's the exact same thing. You just put your money in there. Just don't look at it. And in mm-hmm. 20 years, you're going to have more money, right? As long as you are investing in a diversified portfolio, which you can literally buy one type of investment, right? That gives you this diversity. Like it, it, it's not hard, right? They make you believe that it's hard. They make you believe that you need this help. Um, and even if you're still, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I still want to work with a financial advisor, that's amazing. Educate yourself so that you can sit at the table and have the conversation because um, I cannot tell you how many times I've had clients come to me and be like, Nicole, I'm so excited. I'm investing. Um, my financial advisor recommended this to me. I'm like, great, let's look at it. And I'm like, okay, so based on the portfolio you chose, um, you're probably not going to hit your goal because you told the financial advisor that you're scared of investing instead of educating you about how to safeguard your investments by diversifying and investing for longer periods of time. They just put you in a really, really low growth portfolio where the fees that they're charging you are just going to eat up the majority of your growth. And you're going to turn 65 and you're like, great, I've been investing my whole life. I get to retire and you're not going to have enough money. And I think a lot of people get scared, like you said, um, when things go down, mm-hmm. all stocks move. Like they go up and yeah. they, they go down. It's just mm-hmm. the w- name of the game. But if you look overall the history of the stock market, mm-hmm. the, the lines are always going up. So yes, there are yes. crashes. Yes, there are things. But if you just chill out, stop analyzing it. Like some people look at their their portfolio every single day and follow yeah, like, the markets don't every do day. That, that will <laughs> don't make you crazy. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about that, like except literally put the computer down and like don't stop doing that because it will come back up every single time. Obviously, you know the you should be educated in what you're buying because some of them are more risky than others, um, but. There's a lot of them that are just that can suit your goals and will go back up. So for someone who is like very uneducated in that world, like myself, um, I know almost nothing. Where like, can you give like three tips on like where to start? Like, is there something that you would recommend us to like read? Is there like an app like where could somebody just start just to get the education not necessarily start investing but like Mm -hmm. how can I start learning for myself so maybe I don't need a financial advisor or like what kind of account do you recommend like a registered account a non-registered account or something like a TFSA or something like that for sure yeah so I mean so first off in terms of you know getting started investing actually let me go back just to one thing that you said before just when you're like hey everything always goes back up the market as a whole has always recovered um, and this is why I don't invest in individual stocks because sometimes companies are shit and they're not going to go back up so mm-hmm. we need to understand what we're investing in and when we invest in individual stocks that's when we can run into problems uh, I don't personally invest in them I invest in ETFs which are like a basket mm-hmm. of stocks so you can yeah. buy one ETF which is like buying, you know, 500 of the biggest and best companies in America. Um, and it, it diversifies you. So that's and the one thing I wanted to in the ETF. Yeah. Sorry, the stocks switch around in the ETF, right? So if one's not performing properly, the other ones will kind of like take its weight. It depends what you've invested in. So there are different kinds of ETFs. But if you get an ETF that tracks an index, so like one that tracks the S&P 500, as companies move in and out of the S&P 500, then yes, they would change those up in the index as right. well. So yeah. that, that kind of just does Even that the hard work for you. Yeah, and yeah. that's how mutual funds work too, right? So they it's like a collection of things that um, – so you're not like – if one's not performing well – 
like today too because that mm-hmm. could co- recover again but if one's not performing while well, they have other things to carry their weight in in the fund so mutual funds are different than etfs they're kind of the same thing um but an etf is a passively managed fund so usually they just track an index so it's like hey the s p 500 is a list of the 500 biggest and best companies um in america um and then it's like okay we're going to build an etf and we're just going to buy pieces of all of those little stocks right And we're going to give you a basket of stocks which is the 500 biggest and best a mutual fund is actively managed um the fees are much higher typically my kind of way that I refer to mutual funds is that they overcharge for underperformance. Um, mm-hmm. So you can get the exact same investments in an ETF that charges you 0.5%, where in a mutual fund, maybe you're paying 2%, 2.5%. And it may not seem like a lot. And people are like, oh, it's only a couple percent. Number one, they make money whether or not you make money. Like you pay that on your yeah. portfolio, whether or not you made money that year. Um, and then number two is a 1% difference in fees can mean 10 years less in retirement income. It is substantial and it really, really makes a difference over the long term. Um, and that's why I think it's so important that people understand what they are investing in. And I love how you said that too, because a lot of people um, think that mutual funds are the safer route because mm-hmm. it is, um, you know, it's Actively not so managed. risky. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the ups and downs don't go up as much as like, say, a stock, but it, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's, um, you know, going to be the right payout for you at all just because it's safer and and it doesn't mean that you should be scared of stocks that aren't I'm putting air quotes around these things safe things that are more risky because obviously those have the higher potential to pay out so I wouldn't say that mutual funds are safer than ETFs um I would say you know you can get a a portfolio of mutual funds that's you know has more bonds in it so you have more fixed income so there would be uh, you know, less fluctuation in terms of the the value of your portfolio. However, there would also be less growth. Um, but with mutual funds, I think that's kind of like a, a rhetoric that's pushed again by the yeah. financial services industry yeah. uh, that it, it's safer because you have some guy looking at it. And when you actually look into the data and look at um, the performance of mutual fund managers over time, a lot of them say, well, it's okay that we charge you these high fees because we can get you um, greater than average returns. However, um, most mutual fund managers don't beat the market and the ones that do, don't do it consistently. So it's kind of a crapshoot and you're you're paying astronomical fees for it. So I would say in the majority of cases, you're likely better off from a financial and numbers perspective, um, going with a self-driven portfolio of ETFs Um, And index funds, you can also go to a robo-advisor, which is going to do the exact same thing. Um, But you have to know yourself. So if you believe that you are somebody who gets really um, hyped up when there's a hot new stock or somebody who freaks out when the market goes down by 2%, like you need to understand that. And maybe it might be better to have somebody else managing your money if you're going to be making decisions that are maybe not in your best interest. emotional. Exactly. And like you need to understand also that the market is cyclical, right? There's a bear market and a bull market. So the bear market, you can think of it like, ooh, scared, bear, it's going down. Um, the bull market is when it's going up, right? It's strong, going up. Um, there's only two markets. So if we're in a bull market, that means eventually a bear market is coming, 
it's cyclical. It's like a season, right? We can expect that once every two years, there's going to be a pullback, that once every five years, that we're going to see a reduction in prices of about 20%. But if you look at the worst, um, the worst 25 year period in the S&P 500, which is that measure of the 500 biggest and best companies in the US, um, it still returned an average of 7.5% per year. So this is why if you can hold your investments for the long term, it becomes a lot safer. If you're holding only for a year or so, then would you put it in investments and think it's safe? Probably not. Uh, because we don't know what's going to happen. If you would have told me that I would have been stuck in my house for a year, I wouldn't have believed you. So we never know what's going to happen. So it's better to make sure that when you're investing that money to safeguard it, you're diversifying and investing for the long term. Love that. Oh my God. I was actually taking notes. Literally. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> because I didn't I answer mean, your question before. I apologize. So yeah, just I because I'm that person that just doesn't know. I I'm thinking like I'm trying to picture my uh, the portfolio that I have that is really truly operated by somebody else, and I really don't even understand it. I feel like I see mutual funds, and now I'm like, okay, I think I need to. You're too young to only have mutual funds. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I think Especially... I need, but I think it came from me and my husband saying well we're scared we're scared because we are scared we're gonna lose money and so keep it safe and not understanding that that could mean like well it's safe it's staying safe but it's never gonna do anything for you eventually so that's why i'm saying like what are the tips like what are three things that i could start doing now just to like better understand and then have that conversation with my financial advisor and say hey you know I'm kind of understanding better of what like where my investments are. I think we want to move out of here, like play with ETFs or things like that. They won't be happy and they won't tell you that it's a good thing. Um, they're especially in Ontario. A lot of them are, are salespeople first. Um, yeah. So just know that when you go in there and talk to them, that they're going to tell you that a, they can do a much better job than a robo advisor, that they you know, that these are different and that you can't do this and whatever. And, and maybe they won't tell you that, but a lot of them, they have these sales quotas that they need to meet. So we need to make sure that we're keeping that in mind, that our advice may not be unbiased, right? And there's actually been a lot of changes within Ontario legislation um, regarding financial advisors and who can actually call themselves a financial advisor and who actually has a fiduciary responsibility. Um, because my understanding is up until this, this last piece of legislation was passed, um, they did not have a fiduciary responsibility to you, meaning they did not have to act 100% in your best interest, um, which is really friggin' scary. Um, a lot of us also believe that it's scarier putting our money in investments than leaving it in a savings account, when in reality, the scarier thing is not ever having enough money to reach our goals and be able to retire. If inflation is eating 3% of our money a year, if we're not making at least 3% on our money, we're losing money. Um, so right. it's important to understand that as well. In terms but of even what that information do, is helpful mm -hmm. because I think that you know, having this conversation, I feel amped up, I feel more empowered. And then I go in there and they're like, no, 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 that's not a good idea. Don't do that. This is what's going to yeah. happen. I would probably be like, okay, you're right. Never mind. Yeah. But having that <laughs> conversation that with somebody who has my best interest, just being a woman and like having the understanding and truly wanting to help people like own their money, um, that would be in the back of my mind. Be like, you know what? I'm still going to go forward with this. And do it basically for sure um, and like you can get a fee only financial advisor and that's typically what i recommend if you're going to go that route is somebody that doesn't get commissions based on 
what you're buying. They're not making money off of managing your investments. They're literally just making money off of creating you a financial plan, telling you what you should do, um, and then you can go and execute it on your own. Um, however, I don't think that you need to go and do that, and they're very expensive. Like I, I think I priced one at one time, and to meet with a financial advisor, they wanted $5,000 just for a single financial plan. Um, so I don't know if they're all that expensive, but the one that I spoke Jesus. to was. Um, that's that's 5000 I'd invest instead. Yeah. And I mean, so we can go back and forth on that, I would say, because we always need to be investing in our education and our futures and that kind of thing. And it's a lot of people will come to us and say, well, Nicole, why would I, why would I buy a program or why would I buy an ebook or why would I buy this? And why wouldn't I just put that money on my debt instead? And it's like, or why wouldn't I put that money in my investments instead? And the thing is, I have to ask them, well, have you been? Right? Have you been putting that money in your investments? Have you been putting that money on your debt? I know the intention is there, but we're not doing it. And that's why we're here today. So in terms of investments, in terms of three things that you can do, there's some really, really great books. Um, Unshakable by Tony Robbins is incredible in terms of understanding the psychology behind the market. Um, again, personal finance, 80% mindset and behavior. Um, in terms of like the actual method to investing. There's a book called The uh, the Little Book of Common Sense Investing by John Bogle. Um, that's all about learning how to invest through ETFs. I think that's amazing as well. Uh, we also have a free challenge called 30 Days to 100K. Um, essentially what that is, is we're teaching you where to save some extra money, some standard money rules, and then some basics to investing, like what accounts you can use, what investments are, that kind of stuff. Um, we also have paid programs. We have the Millionaire Investor, which teaches you everything you need to know to start investing. It doesn't tell you what stocks to pick. It doesn't tell you, you know, exactly what to do in that sense. It teaches you how to fish. It doesn't give you the fish. I'm not being like, these are the hot stock tips, but I'm teaching you how to fish. I'm teaching you how to figure out what is the best for you so that you can move forward in your life, being able to put that together on your own. Um, So is that the program that you enrolled in? I enrolled in the, yes, the 30 days to 100K. Um, So I started on day uh, day one. (laughs) So I'm going to be listening. And I was going to say- I love it. I love it. Every, your vibe and your energy is fantastic. <laughs> like, so cool. Um, and so two other things I was going to say for tips and resources for people, obviously, Unicole, like, follow your stuff. Because not only do you obviously have your program, you also have um, your Instagram with all your tips and stuff. And I just yep. watched the uh, the wedding one. And I, I love those ideas. Those are like actually you know i didn't my boyfriend sent me that because it was on narcity i love it yeah we just started a partnership with narcity and so we're narcity's official um money coach for canada which is amazing um so we're doing weekly features on a little show there called all things money um so that's an amazing resource as well i have a ton of stuff on tiktok a ton of stuff on instagram so lots and lots and lots of free resources we have an amazing Facebook group of over 14,000 members where we go live once a month and offer free money coaching. We answer your questions. We offer support. And all of the girls in that group are just incredible at like coming together and just lifting each other up. And everybody's going through the same shit at the same time. And it's just a really, really amazing community to be a part of. And where can people find that? Um, On Facebook called Master Your Money and Build a Bank Account That Never Stops Growing. 
And then what about your Instagram and other resources for people to find you? Yeah, the Instagram is at no budget babe. TikTok is at no budget babe as well. And then I can give you guys for the show notes uh, for our website where they can go and uh, get into the 30 days to 100K and all that stuff as well. Oh my God. Yeah, definitely so something amazing. I think I'm going to join is the 30 days to 100. I love it. Yeah, to start Some of the girls then... coming through there are saving like huge money, like thousands of dollars and learning how to start investing. And it's just, it's really amazing. That's yeah, I, I mean, to I took... I have lots of takeaways from this uh, conversation for sure. Like I, I'm literally prepping myself in my mind for having the conversation with uh, my financial advisor. She's like, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell yeah. him. I can do this. I love it. Do you not know back what? down. And I'm, not, I'm not speaking <laughs> badly about him. He's he's kind of like a friend. Um, he's, he's a great doing person. His job. But but he, and he's yes. doing his job, and I respect that. Yeah. I do my job 100%. too, right? Like so. But I do. I just. It is just such a thing that I'm now like, I, I just need to know. I can't play this like ignorant, like, I don't know, and I'll be fine game yeah. anymore. Like, I have to get on top of it. So does my husband. We need to both be like really invested in investing properly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this has been like so yeah. educational. <laughs> like, I, I'm a little overwhelmed because I'm like, oh, no. God, there's so many things. No, I feel like rocked your mindset and that means you're actually learning and taking it all in. Seriously. Yeah. And, and, but just even those few tips, like I literally am writing notes down and I hope our listeners are too because, or will be, um, because it is such a daunting task until you talk to somebody like yourself and Mm -hmm. you kind of get released from this, like these chains of. Like, it doesn't have to be impossible. It doesn't have to be scary. And you can start really at any point. Obviously, younger Mm -hmm. is better (laughs) or earlier is better. But until, like, you have those conversations, you just feel less, like, overwhelmed and Mm -hmm. daunted by it. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing is like we're, we're going to look at this and we're going to be like, holy shit. And I bet you there's people listening. They're like, wow, this is a lot. It's a lot because it's the first time that you heard it. Money is a skill, right? Financial literacy is a skill. We need to build it up. The first time you... I don't know, drove a car. Did you know how to do it right away? No, it felt overwhelming to you. And you're like, all the rules of the road and all this and whatever. But now you drive and it's secondhand, right? Don't judge where somebody else is in their journey and expect that you're going to have to be there too, just because you haven't been given this knowledge in the past. So now is when you're going to learn. You're going to listen to this podcast. Maybe you listen to it a second or a third time so that you can go over that stuff and really start to soak Mm -hmm. it in. When you go through the challenge, maybe you go through the challenge one or two times so that you can really, really soak in that information. And it's going to take a little while, right? And I know a lot of the girls in our programs have even told me, okay, you know, Nicole, when I first started following you, I was like, oh my God, it's overwhelming. Holy shit. But then I followed you for a month. And then I went through all of your TikTok content and I went through all of your Instagram stories. And I went through, if anyone's listening to this too, about the Instagram stories, we post amazing, amazing, amazing content and tips and coaching on there. Um, and there's story highlights on Instagram as well to go through. Um, yeah, they're but they're like, hey, We went through all of that stuff. We learned so many things. And now, you know, it's taken me two months, but now I feel really good. And I realize it does get to be easy. And I realize that I don't need to be like good at math or like, you don't need to be good at math to be good with money. It literally has nothing to do with it. Um, You don't need to have a huge income. You don't need to like, there are so many things that are just common misconceptions. It can be possible for you and it can be easy for you if you go out there and decide to learn what you need to learn and actually go after your goals. Amazing. Amazing. 
Thank well, you thank so you much. Thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you for having me. I know I'll listen yeah. to this again and again, and uh, I'm sure everyone else will too. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Amazing. Yes, thank you guys so I've much. I've taken lots of tips already from your Instagram as well. So I, you know, hopefully we can have you back on and have like a part two and chat um, even About, more. So yeah. Thank you and have a have a great sunny day finally. Yes, I love <laughs> it. Amazing guys, thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.